0: Welcome back to Feedback Loop, the podcast where we discover music together with you and with me and, and with my, my co-host. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joey, the co-host. <laughs> the co-host, the aforementioned co-host. We're, we're a little rusty because I say we, I'm really just projecting. I'm a little rusty. My brain's fried because uh, we're doing this two, two days later than we usually do, which doesn't sound like a lot. And it's in reality, not a lot, but, but it, feels it feels like a lot. It feels like a lot. So, back into the swing of it. This week, the music we discovered was uh, Metrix Fantasies from 2009. Uh, It was an album I chose, and I chose it because, I don't know, why do I choose anything? man? Because you like it. I I like it. I like this album. I like the band, honestly. And I feel like, out of their discography, this album is kind of the midway point for them. Because their older stuff was a bit more, like, punky like kind of like punk rock stuff. And they've gradually just added more like electronic sounds and kind of gone into more of like a synth rock kind of thing. And this is kind of the middle ground. So I figured it's a good entry point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you would have preferred us start with their older stuff or some of their newer stuff, but we started in the middle because I like this album. You'll find out man. Won't you? (laughs) We'll find out Uh, the album cover for this. It's pretty, pretty barren. Uh, That's not fair. That makes it sound like it's bad or something. It's just like a a, a black backdrop with like a dim light bulb glowing on it. And then just says metric fantasies. Yeah. Uh, And a lot there. You just see the little
1: wires because, you know, it's an old timey light bulb. Not not like these newfangled LEDs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You can see the little, the, 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 the the coil, the filament. I think it's filament, right? That sounds right. Whatever's lit up in, in a traditional light bulb an analog light bulb <laughs> as if there are digital light bulbs i, mean, I guess leds are kind of we're, we're not gonna we're not we're not here to talk about light yeah. bulbs unless they're on the album art which they are light bulb that's, loop that's that i have i have nothing further to contribute about the album art so i i think i'm gonna need some help because i'm alive
1: well i can give you a help in the form of the title to track number one which is what's that it's help i'm alive
0: Fuck yeah, we're Ooh. we're right into it. Track number one. What did you think of this track, and is it indicative of the entire album, Joey? You know,
1: I I like it. I do. I mean, I feel like you I, could feel have seen that coming.
0: Coming. I feel a butt coming. No, like, I, I feel like there's a big butt. No, there, you said that.
1: Well, I was gonna say a butt, and it's because I have two butts. Actually, three butts <laughs> if you count the one that I actually wow. have on my person. You got a lot of butts. <laughs> Uh, so one of the buts was you asked if it was indicative of the entire album, and I feel like it's not entirely, because I feel like there's a lot of songs on this album that don't sound like this.
0: I, I, I more so mate your feelings towards this song. Oh. If it was indicative of how you felt about the entire album.
1: Well, then yes. And there's other songs that I like even more than this song cool. on this album. <laughs> uh, and two, I was not expecting it to sound like this, given... Mm-hmm. I have heard some stuff off of two previous Metric albums, just right. having heard from like being recommended by people that I knew. <laughs> people that you know, Yeah. That,
0: that may or may not be bad experiences from the past? <laughs> no, so it, not sure.
1: it wasn't that it was a bad experience. It was... And, I mean, I, I liked the music. It was just that person was a more punky person, as gotcha. you said, and listened to the older Metric. Right. So... Uh, that that was what I knew and I just wasn't expecting uh, Help I'm Alive to sound like it. Not that it doesn't sound in any way like rock or punk, but yeah, like yeah. you said, it's there's a lot of like electronic or electro rock synth right. pop type stuff that goes along with it, which I think at the current stage that I'm at in my music listening career, I like more or I'm at least more susceptible to like giving it a better try like i feel like in some aspects i'm like not necessarily a punk snob but i'm more discerning of it because i go towards like the folk punk diy yeah. punk type stuff and metric is very much not that so it was <laughs> it was it was good to it was refreshing i guess to well, hear cool. to hear this
0: I'm, I'm glad you you liked it the, the song help i'm alive it kind of starts off with some like industrial kind of banging drums like it can just sounds like metal being banged together like a someone's working like a, an anvil and like a forge kind of a thing uh, and then it kind of transitions and there's some synths that come in and then uh, emily emily haynes is the lead singer of the band her, her voice comes in that kind of like it bounces and it echoes around a little bit uh the, the guitar tone is just kind of clean and, and it's it's kind of piercing but it's not like obtrusive or like I don't know, I I can't think of a better word for it. That's why I use piercing. But it's, I don't know, it's prominent, I suppose. At least in this track. And the mastering kind of feels pretty pretty well-balanced overall. Yeah. With with the levels.
1: Yeah, the guitar tone, like, I don't know if it's... Because there's two guitar tones in the song. There's, like, the acoustic, crunchy one that comes Mm -hmm. in later. And then, yeah, I don't know how to, I guess, describe the one you're talking about. What struck me was that... It sounded like there was a lot happening, but it didn't sound too loud. Like right. it wasn't like I don't know, I mean, with the bands that I've been suggesting, like Frog and Horse Jumper of Love and just <laughs> yeah. general stuff like that, where it's like a wall of sound. Yeah. And this is not that, but it still maintains, I'd say, a pretty good edge on it, and it you can it it's almost like you can actually hear everything that's going on, rather than it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, I think I think it's both a good and, and a bad thing. I mean, we I've talked a lot about recently I say a lot of. I think I mentioned it two or three times recently. Relatively, that that kind of deaf haven wall of sound kind of thing, and the frog had a similar impact where it's just like it kind of stuns me in mm-hmm. a, a positive way. Which so I, I think that's good in and of itself. But yeah, it, it's also kind of the other side of the coin with metric where you can actually discern what's happening in in the song. And it's not just like noise for the sake of noise, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I guess if I had to like sum up this week's listening experience with this, it would be refreshing for, I'd say a lot of it is that reason as well. Just, it's nice to hear it.
0: Cool. Well, I, I think they have a cool sound and I'm honestly a, a little surprised that you you enjoyed it as much as you seem to have so I'm i I'm taking it back a little because I thought you were going to dislike it honestly the more I was listening to this I was like yeah I don't know if he's going to like it as much but uh fuck yeah I'm, I'm glad you do. Lyrics for for help I'm Alive this one it, when this is one of my favorite songs on the album maybe one of my favorite metric songs I'm going to say that a lot on this album specifically because <laughs> I do really love this album but uh when I've listened to this song previously and this album previously, the song specifically sounded to me like it was stemming more from depression. Yeah, where I mean, you're saying help, I'm alive. That kind of implies that you don't want to be alive, right? And and you're just kind of like, help, I'm I'm here, I'm existing, I don't really want to be, but but here, at least that's my interpretation of it. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing that comes up later, is uh, the perspective of how you're viewing things. And it it, it I, I feel like a lot of the content on this album is maybe open or susceptible to your like bias of how you already perceive life. So I'm, I'm generally more of a pessimist. So I kind of put the, the depression thing on this. Uh, but generally it, it seems to be about Emily talking about being pressured or feeling a, a tremendous amount of pressure put on herself and it's having kind of an impact on her mental health. And I, I thought it was interesting that after the the chorus for the last verse, or the last couple verses actually the uh the music changes up a bit and it takes on a happier or less ominous tone as the first verse has uh, and the lyrics also reflect that change and it seems like by the end of the song she's kind of like at a place a better place where she's like ready to kind of face the challenges that she's been talking about in the song
1: yeah i've i got about the same except instead of depression it was about anxiety but that could just be the lens you're looking at like we're looking at it through because like yeah i i don't know just like i anxiety is a feeling that i'm very much aware of Mm -hmm. in myself like just like and i mean the whole like my heart keeps beating like a hammer and that's like one of the most said lines and that's just a very common feeling whenever you're like having a panic attack you're just feeling a ton of anxiety it's like you can feel like your heart's about to beat out of your chest but uh yeah so i i connected with it in that way uh and i feel like it it goes hand in hand with she there's a lot of talk on later songs about like overcoming challenges and yeah. fighting like winning fighting a battle and i feel like i don't know it could be either anxiety or depression one of the two, but I feel like that is a battle that she is speaking to beating on later songs.
0: Yeah. I I think there's a kind of a general conflict that she's talking about overcoming. Right. And I think it's very much like people project onto that in, in certain ways. Obviously she, she was experiencing something specific. Yeah. But I think it's kind of, it's, it's left a little vague and a little open to kind of maybe allow people to project onto (laughs) it. maybe to act as a canvas for, for someone else's painting. But uh, yeah, I I got nothing else to say for, for this track. We're just going to move on to track number two. Sick Muse. I I don't, I didn't didn't segue. (laughs) Sick Muse. Sick Muse. Sick Muse. This one, honestly, it, it, it's a pretty different sound. Yeah. From, from the first track, it immediately comes in with this kind of like Western sounding guitar lead with an acoustic rhythm guitar underneath it and a very simple and clean drum track the drums on this album overall i feel are kind of lackluster (laughs) which i know seems like an insult uh, especially coming from me someone who talks a lot about the drums on on music but honestly for this album they they seem to take a back seat yeah i don't don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but i think they could have been done better perhaps i don't know how I'm not claiming that I could have done it better or that the person doing it did a bad job. I think it's Jules uh, is the name of the guy, that drums. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm not in love with the drums (laughs) in in general. They're very simple, very, very plain on this album. Uh, Underneath the pre-chorus in this, there's a lot of like layered vocals. And she does this on a handful of songs where she kind of like she has her own backup singer kind of thing with a bunch of different like layered vocals underneath um the chorus of the song is kind of interesting to me musically because it sounds very like cheery and celebratory but yeah her vocals don't really agree with that like the music itself is very like upbeat and happy and it sounds like she's like celebrating something with the music but her vocals are, are i don't know the melody it sounds a lot more like sad to me or like mournful yeah it's kind of like an interesting contrast to, to be mixed in
1: yeah i i this song was, I don't want to say confusing, but it was like, like whenever I said that uh, Help, I'm Alive wasn't indicative of the rest of the album. Yeah, it was like the second song. It's just like you said, it's got like a, it starts off with like a deep tone guitar, like just like super thick. It almost sounds like, I think you said a Western Yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, just like this driving energy forward and... Even though Help I'm Alive, it was a more like generally, I guess, pop, rocky type song. This one seems Mm -hmm. to have more energy, which at least to me is I I got more energy from this song. Like whenever I was listening to it, I was like feeling something. And uh, I don't know, like I it sounds like a better version of other music that i've heard but i can't put my finger (laughs) on it like i don't i can't think of the exact band but it was like i had a very tip of my tongue moment whenever i was listening to this song and i just can't i still
0: can't figure it out i (laughs) I keep
1: listening to this song over and over again thinking i'm going to be able to figure it out but i can't
0: but i I I, hope you do and you bring it up at some point in the future because i'm curious now
1: I do and if I figure it out I we're listening to that album and I'm just going <laughs> to do do it that way. Yeah. Um I'm, I'm totally down. But yeah, so I think so far I think I like Help I'm Alive more than this song. Mhm. I don't I this one I don't want to say it's like my least favorite on the album, but I think it's bottom two interesting. This is
0: I, one of my favorite songs. On the album. I, I I know I said that. Uh, I, I warned you all that I was going to be saying that a lot. I have five songs out of the ten songs on this album marked as songs that I really enjoy on this album. And this is one shit. of them.
1: Well, I bet the one, all the ones that I say, oh, God, what's my favorite song on the album? You're going to be like, <laughs> nope, not one of the five.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you got a 50-50 chance, right? I, I guess that's true. <laughs> There's only one song on this album that I will say I like significantly less than the others but so there's, there's like three tiers I guess there's the top five for me that are songs I really like there's the middle four that are that are fine I don't have anything against them but they're not they're not in the top five and then there's one song that kind of falls flat for me. but we'll get there when we get there
1: okay okay I feel you um so like lyrically this song it was kind of hard to pin down for me I mean I feel like she writes lyrics in a way like you said, where it's kind of up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, like, obviously there's a, a story behind why she wrote it, but the lyrics aren't driving you in any specific way, I yeah. guess. Other than, I, like, I got the feeling that it was like somebody who just wants adoration and fans and they want to be like the center of attention and I guess she's writing a song for them. I don't like to say that it's not what you think it's going to be or like you, careful what you wish for type thing. But I don't, that's only part of the song. Like right. it's not the whole song. So I can't entirely pin it down, but that's kind of what I got out of
0: it. So my interpretation of it is that she was talking about the struggle between having a life outside of the fame and success of being. You know in a band or yeah. whatever it, where so it's kind of similar where she's i guess warning people saying that's not all that that you think it is but it's, it felt more of like a personal struggle between like having a love life and having a relationship outside of that and the i guess the conflict that comes between being in a band and being able to have a, a quote-unquote normal personal life yeah. outside because they're seemingly mutually exclusive and despite that, which is what I got from it, it's kind of interesting because in the chorus she kind of commingles both of those concepts, and and she says everybody just want to fall in love, everybody just want to play the lead, which is kind of balancing those those two things because everyone wants to be the star of of the show, the quote unquote show. Yeah, and I think that applies. To obviously in the literal sense of like everyone just wants attention and, and being famous and, and stuff like that but also within a relationship i'm kind of getting the vibe that she's like struggling because within her relationships it seems like everyone's kind of struggling to take the lead of the relationship and kind of be be the the star of their own movie even though Everyone, nobody's actually a star because it's not. like isn't a movie. <laughs> yeah, right? like the relationships are between two different people, and if they're both kind of trying to be the lead role in that movie, then obviously it's going to have some conflict. That compounded with the fact that she's, you know, famous is probably not a not a great combination of things.
1: Yeah, no one's going to be one up in her. Unless, I mean, I guess. Well,
0: I mean, there, there are bands that are bigger than her, right? She could be dating someone in a in a bigger, more successful band. That's true. That's very we, true. we can we can talk more about that later because I actually did have some some notes on that kind of general topic.
1: Oh well, there we go. We'll <laughs> we'll throw that up out into outer space and leave that just in our satellite mind floating yeah, around we'll up just there,
0: just float around looking down on us from from track number three. <laughs> <laughs> Just Woo. titled Sunlight Mind. <laughs> what an apt title.
1: Yeah. I. so this one, I'm gonna get it right out there. I like this track a lot. Okay. And this starts off like like the golden age, I'd say, of this, this album for me for the yeah. next, for a little bit.
0: I can agree with that. And that's oh, cool. like this isn't one of the top five, but I'm I'm like looking at it, I'm like, I don't know why. I just love all of these tracks so much <laughs> that I like I started out with the first two tracks I'm like yeah i like this track yeah i like this track it's like i've got to stop doing that every track so i think at this point i stopped doing it and then back towards the end of the album like man the second half of this album really starts off strong for me and so i, I spoilers the other three songs are in the second half of the album that well, I really like now
1: i can't play the guessing game jeremy i mean i mean five, i guess,
0: five, I guess- three, three out of five on the last five tracks right
1: Three out of five ain't bad. That's a meatloaf song, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's close enough. But yeah, I I definitely agree that this starts a a different section of the album, at least musically, and it's a good section.
1: Well, cool. This one, it starts out with like, I mean, Satellite Mind starts out with like a spacey kind of atmosphere. And I don't know what... Like instrument, I need to look up more about like electronic instruments because I always sound like fucking douche <laughs> whenever I'm just like
0: the synth. Yeah, I mean, I I, I use the word synth a whole lot in my yeah. notes as well.
1: But like, it sounds like an old like beat 'em up game soundtrack or something. Yeah. Like, it kind of has that feel. Not like it sounds like it's playing off of an NES or something. But no, like,
0: but it definitely feels like it's been like bit crushed. Yeah, like has kind of like that chip tone kind of feel to it.
1: And, you know, because I I love those darker songs, like, something about, like, it's not, like, a super dark song, I guess. Yeah. But it sounds darker than the previous songs. For sure.
0: And, uh, That synth, it's so, like, growly. And, like, the tone that they hit with it is just, it's great.
1: It is great. And I really like it. And then the guitar... (laughs) Like, there's... I I feel like I've said this before, but like there's definitely times where I listen to songs and I'm like, "Ooh, that sound! I want you to just make a whole song of just that sound, and yeah. then I can have this song and the new song that just has that sound." But that, I feel like that's kind of a selfish thought. But uh,
0: like, no, the the key there, Joey, is to make it yourself. Yeah, but I'm make not good. I'm not good at making things. Make a million bad songs, and then you'll make a good one.
1: You can't guarantee me that, Jeremy. I, mean, I could just make a million and one bad songs.
0: <laughs> well, then go for one more, man. Make a million and two bad songs. I mean, you know what maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> uh, really bad songs. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail. Anyway, no, no, you're fine for some you're fine. <laughs> I
1: I it's time that you get to derail because there's so many times where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to walk over here now and say all these things about this. <laughs> but uh like the the guitar it after a while, it like it hits when it comes in, but it's mm-hmm. still not too loud. Like it's it's more than I got in like "Help I'm Alive" and "Sick Muse," and I don't know what flips that switch for me, but like, yeah, it feels more than those songs. But it still doesn't hit that wall of sound point. So it's like everything right. is still clear for me in this song. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it kind of like. I felt like the, the the kind of rhythm guitar section that comes in, it's definitely more prominent than yeah. the rest. And I think it's kind of a cool aesthetic that they have going on. Cause I mean, the song is called satellite mind and it has some very like spacey sound effects and, and like ambient noise and stuff. And then there's that kind of that scent that we've been talking about and some like super reverby and echoey vocals and stuff. And I think that that guitar is kind of like grounding it all. So like all of the, the the sounds that I just described are kind of floaty and spacey, right? Because they're, they're it's a satellite mine, you know, like you're out in space floating around. And I feel like that guitar is trying to to pull it back in a little bit and and ground it, but yeah. like, it doesn't like it doesn't stop it from being spacey. It just kind of it it kind of hones it a little bit back to earth, perhaps.
1: Yeah, the spaciness is definitely a thing that I like. I like the sounds that they do in that vein a lot. Yeah. And that's like a pattern that I noticed, like a lot of my favorite tracks on the album kind of had that, but I, I guess that's, which I don't know. Like, I guess that's just my style. Cause I was sure. thinking about it and I was like, ah, I really want to get more into like the other sounding songs or whatever. But these were the ones that I like gravitated towards.
0: But. I'll give you some, some wrecks. I, I guess i can going to do it right now. Their, their next album, uh, Synthetica. I almost picked instead of this one, and it has more of that kind of synthy, spacey vibe to it. So well, check out that album.
1: Hell yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking for some new... I, I've been... I mean, I know I say this all the time, but... And I don't need to say it again. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it at some point. It'll happen.
0: <laughs> at some point. At some point.
1: But, uh, like, the lyrics on this one... It... I... So... <laughs> I re- after putting my own thoughts into this, I did read yep. kind of, like, the thing about it. But I didn't know if it was about somebody who had, like, committed suicide. And oh. then... Well, because at the beginning, it was it's like, hold it. I'm about to drop off. Let me tell you my last thought. Drift into a deep fog. Lost where I forgot to hold it. Like,
0: See, I thought that was just falling asleep, man. See? I thought it was... <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I thought it was, like, somebody, like, committing suicide. Sure. And then... I don't know. Like, there's just a lot that I don't... Like, okay, so the pre-chorus ends with heard you fuck through the wall, I heard you fuck. And it just made me think of somebody who's, like, not over somebody. And they're, like, depressed just being alone. And that's why it started off with them killing themselves. And then... I can see that. Like, I don't know. And just the chorus is just when I'm bored, I send vibrations in your direction from the satellite mind kind of made me think like somebody's, I guess, watching from above. Sure. Could be heaven or or wherever you, (laughs) you feel like you are.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like, I I think that's not too far off from what she said the song was about, which I'll get to in a minute. But, but before we, we talk about that, uh, my interpretation of the lyrics was also similar in that I thought it sounded like she was going through a breakup. And the way I was kind of putting it together is that she keeps thinking about her ex when she says, like, she heard you fuck through the wall. Like you said, It's kind of like that breakup thing where she's thinking about her ex. And it, I also picked up on the depression thing. So I, I wrote that it sounds like she gets depressed and the only way she knows how to fix it is to call someone up and get laid. And that's what I drew from the whole uh, when I'm bored, I send vibrations in your direction from the satellite mine. Where she's just like texting some guy. Oh, to, like, so, okay. Hey, like I'm, I'm bored. I need to. I need a distraction. Because uh, in the pre-course, she says coming home because I want to hung out the starlit, stare up the ceiling, hiding and revealing, flashback feeling, blah blah blah. And I don't. know, It just felt like to me that there there was that that either she had a mistress and I guess she well she had a. Uh, a partner that had other partners and she was hearing them fuck through the wall or it was kind of like she was having one night stand hookup kind of things to get her mind off of her former partner kind of a thing that was my interpretation
1: Man. but i just i just reread through the lyrics as you were saying that there's literally a lyric in verse two that says, I'm not suicidal. I just can't get out of bed.
0: Yeah. Well, you know.
1: <laughs> I guess what I, I try to write them without reading the lyrics, like uh-huh. my, my initial thing. And I must have just missed that in, yeah. whenever I was writing these notes. But, you know, it's fine. It's totally yeah. fine. I mean, I
0: mean that, there was that verse, says, I dripped off into, into a fog, lost where I forgot to hold it. I can feel you most when I'm alone. I can feel your ghost when I'm alone. So that kind of also gives credence, I think, to the whole breakup situation. But uh, Emily, reading from the little genius sidebar, uh, has mentioned that it was... Uh, it was like inspired by a ghost sighting kind of a thing. She says the song was inspired by some paranormal events in my life is what she said. Uh, And she found herself asking the question, quote, how can you protect your privacy from invasive ghosts? Which I think is kind of an interesting concept, but I, I don't know if I I necessarily get that vibe uh, from, from the lyrics, but it, it does kind of line up with some things about ghosts.
1: Yeah, I didn't. Whenever I read that, I was like, I don't see that in the song. Yeah, I I can understand that feeling. And that's, but no, I don't, I don't like whenever, <laughs> I, whenever I was listening to the song and then rereading the lyrics, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't
0: know. Well, I I think it would be written from the perspective of the ghost. I guess that's right? true. If she's hearing you fuck through the wall, kind of a thing where it's just like a body of energy floating around inside of the house somewhere.
1: But if you're a ghost, you wouldn't just have to hear it. You could just be like, boop, I'm through the wall. I'm watching. <laughs> if, if it was an invasive ghost, as she is saying, it's I true. would imagine that's what they would do. It's
0: true. Yeah. They're, they're just kind of invading privacy. Like they're not floating out in some twilight galaxy,
1: but they are leading into track four, twilight <laughs> galaxy.
0: Kill it. Boom. Track number four. This one uh, continues the the spacey kind of theme yeah. that we kinda mentioned this is established in, in satellite mine, it kinda continues that sound, which I think is is, is a good sound. I also didn't star the song. But I can't believe you I, I do like the song. But uh, yeah, this one it, it feels kind of anthemic. Yeah or like pep talkish, at least at the beginning, with the the way that she kind of like delivers her lines and what she's saying while the music's just kind of there for like atmosphere. Mostly, it's like pretty simple musical accompaniment, and it it has a really nice sound. There is a bridge that brings in this really bright kind of guitar and organ combo kind of a thing that comes in and adds just that that additional layer of scale to what is already kind of like a vast, spacey kind of sound, and it reminds me specifically of uh, the song Contact, From Daft Punk's Random Access
1: Memory, yeah,
0: when those scents come in in contact, and that song is such a trip. I fucking love that song. I love that sound, and that's like that's one of my favorite like takeaways from this album is that sound. I suppose just I just love that sound so much.
1: Yeah, I really like this uh, this song as well. I didn't specifically make that exact comparison, but I did note that sound that you're talking about yeah and i do like it and for all you people out there go listen to random access memories (laughs) because for sure it's a great album listen to everything daft punk ever put out
0: (laughs) Uh, i mean there's not going to be any more of it
1: yeah never ever again and i'm (laughs) very sad about it
0: i mean they could do a reunion thing at some point i guess they could it's not the same they're shelving it They're, they're shelving it for for now with an asterisk yeah I will say uh I've always previously thought that this was one of the shorter songs on the album this is the longest song on the album and okay. it's kind of weird that like I had that perspective I, I guess because a lot of it is so like chill and ambient that it it just like I feel like I could listen to it for an hour and be totally fine with it
1: Yeah I feel that especially like the other sound that I really pointed out was uh at the beginning there's like a really cool watery sounding yeah synth that's going on in there and you know that's just it's just what i'm about man
0: <laughs> just watery sense. watery sense drown all, them <laughs> all
1: of the fucking like vapor wavy type stuff I like there's so many sub genres that are like specifically dedicated to water yeah and all of those i just You're water boy
0: i drink them you drink them up like some some <laughs> nice kool-aid on a summer day (laughs) yep that's me Lyrically, though twilight (laughs) galaxy it's kind of an optimistic song which is a bit of a change from the the prior tracks where at least from my perspective it's about giving giving it your all you know living life the way you want to the the best way you can and not letting other people drag you down and feel bad about yourself because there's there's no glitter in the gutter so get the fuck out of the gutter (laughs) stop stop wallowing
1: yeah, I got it. Like, that's pretty much what I got from it, except like, also from a like helping others standpoint. I guess, like, yeah. kind of like a we're all in this together type thing. For but,
0: sure. I mean, like, like I said, she kind of introduces it as kind of like a pep talky thing. Yeah. Which is like, "Hey, do they tell you you should grow up? Do they tell you that you better shape up if you want to succeed?" Kind of thing. Fuck all that. Like, let's 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 go let's go places. Let's do things, man. Let's do things. Yeah, and then it, at the end of the bridge, where she says, "If you're not all right now, come on, baby, I'll pick you up and take you, take you where yeah. you want." So definitely see that.
1: I see it too. I'm looking at it right
0: now, and you you looking know, at it in the, in the reflection of some gold that you have. Yeah, you have and, like a, a gold gun with a with a girl on it.
1: And you know what? If uh, <laughs> B. Arthur and Betty White created a TV show, where they reviewed weaponry they'd probably call it gold guns girls <laughs> gold
0: guns, of... gold guns.
1: <laughs> I, I, that, that was that's just what i came up with for track that's number fine. five Track number
0: five. gold guns girls <laughs> which uh pretty pretty banging song
1: yeah for real like after <laughs> the two track uh kind of slow down spacey whatever this one it comes back with like It's got some energy, man. This is the most up-tempo song I think has been on the record so far. Yeah. And you know what? It I don't dance, but you know, I was tapping my foot to this song. (laughs)
0: Joey's too cool to dance.
1: Yeah. uh, I I I am. I mean, I guess I wish I could say I'm too cool to dance. I'm You you
0: have a daughter. Why don't you dance? You don't dance with your daughter?
1: I do, but. You know, like, not to well, see, the thing <laughs> is, it's not necessarily that I don't dance. It's that at no point in my life does that just naturally happen. Like, I would yeah. have to put thought and effort into, it's not something that I naturally feel like I should do. Like, I'll move sure. a little bit to listening to a song, but, like, it's kind of like how some people, whenever they're really happy, they're, like, all about it. But, like, at my happiest I'm just like yeah, that's yeah. yeah, I'm low energy. That's what it is. I'm just like, that's super cool. I really like that. Right. But never just like, yeah, this is
0: great. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. We're we're not the golden retrievers, you know. Yeah. We're just kinda we're we're just kinda hanging out. We're like sloths. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a great comparison, but you know. Koala bears. Koala bears. Yeah, that's true. They don't use a lot of energy. They don't do shit. Gold guns and girls. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely more upbeat and and dancey slash rockier than the other stuff. And this track reminds me a bit more of their kind of older sound because of that. Mm-hmm. I put older in quotes because it's it feels weird to limit them and say like oh no that's they can't do that anymore <laughs> or yeah. like, they don't because they they still do. I mean obviously it's on this record that they have at least one song here that's a that's a bit rockier and, in tone. I really like the lead guitar tone that's used in this one. Um. When, when she's singing through the, the chorus or the hook, where she says, is it never ever going to be enough? There's like in this uh, kind of moving echoey repeating of the word enough that she has just kind of filling the space, which is kind of a nice addition. And I, I never noticed this. And I meant to go back to see if it was in the first verse as well. But in the second verse, there's some very like soft piano chords that come in that I never noticed before. And it just, it, it adds another, like level to the song that I really enjoy.
1: Really? Cause that is one of the first things I noticed. Cause so it's is, like is it
0: in the first verse as well. Do you know?
1: I don't know. If, I don't think it's in the first verse, but whenever they came in, it was like instant. Cause the keys are like slow. Yeah. But everything else about the song is up tempo, And then the keys just come in and they're kind of like,
0: bah,
1: bah, but like behind everything else, just right. giving it, giving it a nice little accent, you know? It's great. It's great. I, I, don't know like it. I
0: never noticed it before, but I'm glad I noticed it now.
1: I don't know, man. I'm glad you noticed it too. Always discovering new things about the music that we love. That's what we do oh, here. Yeah.
0: that is, And also <laughs> discovering music that we don't love. Like yeah. hella.
1: You know, <laughs> you didn't have to bring that back up, but you I, did.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's, it's, it's an internal meme at this point. I, I, have think to, it, yeah. I have to just bring it up and make people feel excluded when they don't get the joke when they're listening to us.
1: Yeah, or they could just be like, "Oh, he obviously doesn't like Hella." Okay,
0: that's true. That's uh, probably what so, they'll think. I'm not going to explain it ever again. So, or even now.
1: Yeah, we're not explaining just, anything.
0: If you don't listen to every episode of, of our show, then what are you doing with your life?
1: We're holding you hostage so you can get this <laughs> this reference.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, lyrically, "Gold Guns Girls" it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, at least to me, about it's about someone that's never really like satisfied with anything that they they have or that they achieve. It kind of maybe feels like she was targeting someone that she had a relationship with where she felt like maybe she wasn't enough for them at some point, but it it just kind of like seemed general about like people always wanting more.
1: Yeah. That's really like, yeah, that's what I got. I don't, I didn't equate it to like her in a relationship, but I could definitely see that. I mean, that's that's got to be a big feeling. Oh, you know what? Actually, I was just looking through the the genius, and literally the like the one comment is like I've always associated this song with sexism slash patriarchy and the pressures on women. So, which is kind of about what I was about to say. Like, I can just see that being a general feeling that a lot of like women feel. So, sure, ro- rock on, random <laughs> genius commenter.
0: Yeah, Annie Lane.
1: From hey, five,
0: five years ago, I wasn't going to name drop her, but, you know, <laughs> well, we fucking we did it. You're, you're a celebrity now. Annie Lane. <laughs> if you still use that name five years from when you used it on genius, well, you know, if it's her real name, then I'm sure she still uses it. I mean, maybe she got a name change. That's true. Maybe she felt her name wasn't enough. And maybe you should give her a little bit of sympathy.
1: You know, I, I think I will. And I think we'll also start to talk about track number six, Give Me Sympathy. Hell yeah. So this one, like... So this one? <laughs> this one is... Uh, I totally thought it was just going to be like a Rolling Stones homage cover thing. But no, they just mentioned the Rolling Stones in this song. But like, I I started listening. And I think I've heard this song. Like, I think this is the only song on this album that I've actually heard before. And I think I've heard
0: this song. Yeah, I have no idea what the signals were for this album, to be clear. Although, I guess, fun sidebar, uh, that I could have mentioned at the the beginning and I didn't. uh, I discovered Metric because of a movie, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, They wrote a song for the movie that is in the movie. It's sang by the actress um, Brie Larson, sang it in the movie. But they wrote the song, and it was supposed to be written for this album. I didn't know that. Um, But they ended up not putting it on because they felt like it too too specifically summed up their sound i guess oh shit maybe which i mean i guess obviously they didn't they didn't really want that to be the thing so i guess they they gave it to the the people that made the movie to use but uh yeah i I really like the song in the movie and that made me check out their other music and now we're here so it worked for them i suppose
1: and it worked for you because you have something to talk about on our podcast now
0: it's true but yeah, so, so give me give me sympathy. I didn't mean to derail. Like, no,
1: you're you're cool. You're cool, man. We'll just talk about Scott Pilgrim Pilgrim in the world. We're in a movie back loop now. Yeah,
0: We're... I mean feed move no. give me sympathy. Give me...
1: Uh so this one it has like the echoey guitar back in it, but it it's not as dark as it was on like Sick Muse. Yeah. I think it's got it's like brighter. Which <clears throat> Wow. I just had the first voice crack I've had since I was like fucking 12. 20,
0: 28 years old. <laughs> You're not even twenty eight fuck. Twenty eight yet. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. It's it's kind of a bit more like major key kinda upbeat kinda uplifting sounding, but with similar tones to the other darker tracks.
1: Yeah, this one it's I don't know, it's pretty like the guitar work in general is pretty simple. Mm -hmm. but it it just works really well the thing that kind of stood out to me is just like the background vocals i mean not like they don't have them on other tracks or anything but just during the chorus i really liked just the backing melody along with it
0: yeah i really enjoy the song this is another one of the the songs that i starred i I do really enjoy the song it's got yeah i don't know it's just like a nice like smooth kind of indie rock vibe with some synth splashed in as opposed to some of their other songs that are more synth-forward kind of a thing. But uh, lyrically, this is one that I think is, is that I kind of teased at the beginning, is mostly open to interpretation, and the song's about that, I guess. So it's kind of meta in some ways, where most of the song, at least to me, seemed to be about rising to stardom and finding what level of success, fame, and fortune you're happy with. You know, They ask in the chorus, who would you rather be, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? And to me, that was like, well, do you want to sell out and become the biggest band in the world, like the Beatles? Or do you want to keep them more kind of, like, undiscovered or lesser known? Or uh, Not that the Rolling Stones are unknown at all at this point. But, like, just to, to be perceived as more of a real kind of band, I suppose. Uh, but there, there was a lot of discussion on Genius. I say a lot. There was some discussion on Genius about the the... The, the question being more about the pessimism of the Rolling Stones versus the optimism of the Beatles, which I feel is equally valid to what I was saying. I'm not really a huge fan of either band, so I don't know a lot of the specific tropes that they kind of lean into. But I do tend to lean towards the more pessimistic side thing and, and the more quote-unquote realness of of bands and stuff like that. So I, I think that's kind of why I leaned back on... Help I'm alive to more of that like suicidal perspective kind of thing
1: yeah well you know even though the Beatles were the biggest band like fucking ever yeah Mick Jagger he's was like the highest paid musician I think he is still currently the highest paid musician <laughs> or at least was the last time he they were recording so at least what well, good that maybe he's maybe he sold out too much Mick Jagger having kids when you're 70. Dude, he had a baby. What does it have to do with selling out? Because what, dude? You got having, got, got having kids when you're seventy.
0: I fail to see the correlation. How is there I, money in that?
1: Oh, I, I, I think, I, don't, I don't know. This is gonna sound bad. I was about to say, I think the only reason somebody would have a kid with a seventy year old is so they get the money.
0: Well that's not on him though. That's, that's someone else selling out.
1: You're right. That that is. It is.
0: He's just trying to get laid, you know?
1: That is true. He's just trying to get his rocks off, which is a song for all you people who listen to the Rolling Stones out there. There you go.
0: Because they're the Rolling Stones and the Stones are rocks, so.
1: Yep. And then I mean, rock the, op- music. the opening uh, tra- track to one of their albums is Rocks Off.
0: Joey, we're not talking about the Rolling
1: Stones. We're we? not. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing <laughs> over here, man. We're, we've been out of the game. For a yeah. week and a half
0: this is the most rambly episode that we've had but you with, know what? without any like focus at least
1: maybe that means that we're starting to shift our, our podcast we, we have to create another podcast to contain our, right. our rambles're
0: overflowing
1: but you know we're gonna we're just gonna keep calm we're gonna collect we're gonna <laughs> collect and call upon our strength <laughs> to, to get back on track Wow.
0: What a stretch for track number seven, collect call. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort you you went through to to make that happen.
1: Yeah, that whole ramble was just for that.
0: <laughs> I I will say I like the song a lot. This is another one that I started. I, I like this one more than Give Me Sympathy. I think, but it, it's hard to know. They're both they're both up there for me. Th- this is the point in the album where I was starting to like second guess. Like, man. I really just like all of these songs so much and I don't want to keep saying this one's my favorite or I like this one a lot, but I did it, so fuck off. <laughs> there's, th- what, what I would really like about this song is that they have, there's a layer of, of keys like their, their piano, keys, synth, whatever, yeah. and the guitar and they have like kind of conflicting not conflicting, they have kind of like a duetting, yeah it, it's like a, a duet between the two melodies because they're both doing separate melodies they're kind of weaving their way through the song and then Emily's vocals come in and it's just another layer of melody that just kind of like, it all blends in such an interesting way. And it's very complex. And it like, I don't know. It kind of like, it keeps me focused on what's happening in the music, which doesn't always happen. I guess when a lot of music is just like noise or it's, if it's, if it's too simple, you know, there's only so much you can think about the guitar riff. That's just repeating itself over and over again but there's so much like happening constantly with the melodies that it keeps me enticed yeah I pretty
1: much hit the same re like I really like this song too this is still in the butter tracks or whatever that started on uh uh satellite mind for me oh, but yeah. uh so i i'm still I'm still riding that one out and this is this is no exception. I, this is just a really good song. That that keyboard or piano or whatever the fuck's going on there, sound it just has a super cool sound. Yeah, like it. I mean, reading about it, I like she name dropped. I guess the name of this instrument called a Wurlitzer. I guess it's like a piano or a keyboard or something.
0: Sure, I'll pretend super, to agree with you.
1: Super fucking cool. It sounds really cool and i just like it uh i don't know what else to say because i like it i feel <laughs> like i'm i feel like i'm just saying positive things maybe i need to be more negative
0: no man just be just be just just love it you know that's what music's about just loving it and and being about it and i'm about this album i'm about this song lyrically i do disagree with genius so there's some conflict there's some body yeah. i so like whoever it. whoever wrote the lyrics uh for genius i i got a bone to pick with you again this isn't the first time. That. I'm not, I'm obviously, not it's not one person that's writing the lyrics for every album that they have on there. But uh, I just feel like when you open it up to crowdsourcing, sometimes you get shit. Yeah. It's not to say that I think it's a shit. I think there's just one important distinction. And that is in the bridge, which I really love the bridge to the song. She sings, if somebody's got soul, you've got to make them move. And Genius has transcribed, you've got to make them move. Where yeah. I've always heard it as, you've got to make the move. Which, obviously, they're very similar sounding. The move, the move, kind of thing. Like, it, it's all there. I don't know which way it actually is. It might be them. But, to me, that doesn't make as much sense.
1: Yeah. I feel you. I I don't have have an opinion either way.
0: <laughs> you're, you're remaining Swiss.
1: I, I am Swiss, right here. I'm just Swiss <laughs> cheese,
0: full of holes. Of holes Well, I'm poking holes in genius. Uh, yeah, you are. With that being said, though, oh, I'm sorry. You're you gonna...
1: I was just going to add that genius is often wrong.
0: I don't know about often. Well, I guess it depends on what kind of music we're listening to. I feel like with music that you listen to, the lyrics are more likely to be wrong just because the nature of it is like. A, either harder to understand, or B, nobody gives a fuck about the music you listen to, Joey. <laughs> Nobody's even heard of this band. Exactly. I mean, Frog? Nobody's listened to Frog before.
1: Dude, at least two people now have listened to Frog.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I I genius is something. With that correction aside, though, I feel like the song is about being trapped within a relationship. It's pretty straightforward, at least to me, it seems. Yeah of being too lazy or complacent to do anything about it there were two kind of perspectives one is being the lazy person that's too trapped the other is from the other side where your partner you feel is too lazy to fucking do anything in the relationship and I feel like that bridge where she's saying if somebody's got soul you've got to make the move could either be that she as a lazy one is seeing that someone else has soul and is attracted by it and is kind of telling herself that she deserves better and she can do better if only she tried or if only she cared more Yeah, that she could get out of the shitty relationship and be with someone that she actually, that actually has passion for life kind of a thing. Or from the other side where she's like, man, this, this guy I'm with is just fucking lazy. He doesn't care about anything. And then I see that person over there that they're ready to, to go out and fight life and get shit done. And I want to be like that but maybe I'm... But I guess that would also kind of fly that they're lazy, because they're not just ending it. I don't no. know, man.
1: I think, given it more thought, I think your distinction actually makes a big difference. At least right? in that point. Because, uh, so if... Yeah, because I mean, it could be the difference between, like you're saying, who's the lazy one and who's not. Yeah. Because if it's you've got to make them move, it's putting agency on the person who is not the lazy one to mm-hmm. like strike life in this person who's lazy or if you're not the lazy one you've got to make the move can mean okay well it's your life you gotta do
0: something right. to make t- that's good for you it's it's your life you have to take yeah. responsibility for your unhappiness kind of a yeah. thing so you know what I'm in your camp now Jeremy <laughs> I mean again it could just all be perspective Like like I've said on a couple of the other tracks where like it's, it's there to make you think about it and to draw your own conclusion, which I don't think is a bad thing because that's what art's about,
1: right? It is exactly what art's about unless you're an asshole.
0: <laughs> unless you're some asshole that gets front row tickets to see your favorite band and then I had nowhere else to go from there. Yeah. That was, a, that was a bad analogy.
1: You know, unless you're one of those super cool people that Billy Joel puts in his front rows because doesn't he like reserve the front rows for really good fans and he like takes the people. No yeah, you know I think that's the thing that he does.
0: <laughs> Billy Joel.
1: Billy, I think it's Billy Joel. He like right. reserves the front row of all of his concerts or something, and then like for take, who takes people from like the nosebleeds and is like, hey, oh, I come see. sit front row so that way like it's not like corporate. Because that was my question.
0: Something. My question was was going to be how does he know who his true fans are. But if you're yeah. just picking them from a the nosebleed, then that's cool. Yeah, I think that's what it good is. Good on you, Billy Joel. You make pretty good music as well. Better than Elton John. Hey,
1: we're, <laughs> you know, next week, you No, know, I'm scratching it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're doing an Elton John album Elton. instead of what you've agreed upon. No. I mean, no I'll do it. I won't no, be happy, but I'll do it.
1: I'm going to have to actually think of what album to torture you with.
0: <laughs> Track number eight is Front Row, by the way. <laughs> We we segued and then in classic tonight fashion. fashion that's my brain couldn't even think of it, of it. we uh track number eight, it's front row boom boom bam, boom boom You're coming, coming, uh, coming off of collect call which ends it with kind of their like ambient spacey sense stuff just kind of drifting until the end where it's nice and soft and calm the fucking snare that hits immediately <sighs> in the song sounds like a fucking gunshot it just comes out of left field, blam, and then the song started. Because it's, it's just this fucking loud-ass snare hit that comes in. Uh, Emily's vocals, I noticed, kind of got mixed down in this one. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. This is uh, the one song that is that is in the C tier for me that I'm not That's... really crazy about. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like, like they they messed with the mixing on this, which they also do at the end of the album, but it's justified, in my opinion yeah so at this point it doesn't it doesn't make sense i do however really like uh the outro section of the song it's got this really like wompified guitar tone kind of like solo <laughs> and just kind of like just kind of playing around and the outlet it's kind of a cool sound That's kind of in the background for texture
1: yeah i i don't know if i would put this song in c tier but it's definitely the song that i had the least to say about yeah out of all of them uh it's a more rock oriented rather than like the electro electro rock side that they've been having going on that. I seem to like more out of them. Yeah.
0: It's less interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There we go. We'll just flat out say less interesting <laughs> song. Uh, But yeah, it, I mean, it's got like a darker feel, like, especially in the verses, whenever she starts singing faster, like whenever she's like describing the person who she's talking about. Yeah. And, I, I will say,
0: I, I made a note of this earlier in my notes, but I didn't say it when we were talking about it. A lot of her vocals are kind of, like, apathetically delivered. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of an interesting style that she has, because, like, she has a, a very clean voice, for the most part. But it's not, like, peppy. It's not poppy, necessarily. It's just, like, she's kind of delivering them with, with kind of that cool, oh, I don't really care kind of style. Which I think works very well for the music. And it, it, it comes off in a good way. Like, obviously she cares about it. She's very passionate about her music, but it doesn't like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a stylistic choice, I think. And it works very well with her music. Not to say that she can't sing because she can. Yeah, she can. She, she, she puts off the energy of not really having to try or not really caring <laughs> enough to like belt out anything. She just kind of like almost speaking the words, but she's still singing them.
1: Yeah. She's just too cool. That's the she's problem. Too cool. Too fucking cool. Dang Canadians. (laughs) All Canadians are super cool. I'm going to make that blanket statement
0: right now. every Canadian? (laughs) Every single Canadian. That's a a bold statement.
1: I only say that because I like Letterkenny, and I want to imagine that all
0: Canadians are like that. I don't know what that is, but we can discuss that later. Uh, Lyrically, uh, Front Row also kind of fell flat for me. I, I don't know if I was missing something, but it kind of seemed pretty blatantly boring boringly about just like idolizing someone that's edgy and cool but not really going anywhere or doing anything which could be perhaps a commentary on like teenagers being drawn to celebrities thinking that they're some like superhuman beings despite the fact that they're human that they have a ton of flaws and stuff that people don't see but I wasn't really sure where the song was going
1: I pretty much got the same thing except it was like just I guess specifically about like the music industry or musicians who are like up there living the musician lifestyle and then people are in the front row like, ah, oh, I want, I want to be that person or whatever. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, they're just going to go backstage and fucking do a couple of lines and pass out somewhere. And <laughs> yeah, it's get, not all glamour. Get, get paid in beer tickets or something. And
0: stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah. Fucking beer tickets. Good old, go watch metal Oculus. People. Yeah. It's, <laughs> time, it's time for your weekly metal Oculus recommendation. Uh. Don't but, watch too much, though. Or yeah. if you do watch it, don't don't sit too close to the TV while you're watching it, because you, you might develop a case of the blindness. Oh, my God. <laughs> a
1: case of the blindness. The blindness. You know, I'm going to create an entire just beer line called blindness. Hell, yeah. And that way somebody's going to go to the store and just pick themselves up a case, a case of, of blindness.
0: blindness. <laughs> I like it. I like it almost as much as I like track number nine, Blindness.
1: Hell yeah. This is one of my favorites on the on the, the album. Same. On the, the album. No, this
0: is like the last of my favorite. And I don't know, I haven't ranked those five songs that I started, but I do really, really enjoy the song.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like back to dark, mm-hmm. I guess. It's got the melody on keys. It And the key, whatever... Key instrument they are playing or sound that they are producing from this keyboard, yeah. It it struck me as odd because it sounds like a mix between like a horn and a string at like at the same time, Hmm. and it was just it was just kind of this cool like soft but kind of loud,
0: yeah. uh, Like cutting sound, I guess. It's a good sound. I agree with you there. Well, cool. It's the the song. it's, It's very like moody. and and subdued at least for the first half but it still keeps like a good tempo and flow throughout that the fucking keys and the organ sense and the stuff that comes in at like the halfway mark is just so good again it's kind of a similar sound to that that daft punk contact kind of sound that i mentioned earlier and i just it's such a good sound i love it the song overall i just love the soundscape of it it's just it's phenomenal i like it a lot
1: yeah it and it's even like changes up like pretty well I guess halfway through it like because it starts off I'd say more electro and then it kind of like whenever the drums come in yeah it gets more of like a ballady type type feel I guess yeah and for uh, sure. but the message of this song I don't or the lyrics I don't know if this is what was intended this is what I got it, it seems pretty clear to me uh but it To me, it was just about like, I don't know, like you're brought into life. I don't, I didn't ask for this. You're (laughs) just here all of a sudden. And then like, you don't like it, but you can't leave because to leave would mean to die. So it's just kind of like fighting just the general everyday fight against life to just stay alive. You're like, I was just forced into this, but I'm going to keep going. Yeah. To see what life has to offer, I guess.
0: That's pretty close to what I got. Uh, this this song, to me, it seemed more of like a, a rallying cry, like a battle cry kind of a thing. I mean, literally, she's talking about kind of sending in reinforcements and re- rescuing survivors from a, a previous battle or whatever. But within context of some of the other songs on the album, to me, this felt like it was, this was her getting her kind of second wind after the struggle of finding her purpose and finding the balance of work and life and stuff that was mentioned in the prior tracks or all the this, this struggle with depression or anxiety or whatever, that all that stuff had wore her down and she fought it off and then it wore her down some more. And this is her kind of rallying for the second time to kind of really come back and win. she mentions that there are survivors, right. And she says, help is on the way kind of thing, which to me felt like the survivors were maybe bits of her true self that had yeah. made it through all the struggles and now she's got this new rush of energy to kind of bring in and try to bring those survivors home you know to, to reclaim those the shards of who she liked being and kind of just just saving them and, and becoming more realized i guess
1: i like it. It's, I good, it
0: it's a good it's a good message it's a good message it's very it's a very optimistic song on an otherwise fairly pessimistic album i think
1: yeah, and you know, track
0: ten is called Stadium Love. <laughs> <Remembering> <laughs> how you were gonna pull it off? And then you didn't pull it <laughs> I off. I <laughs> didn't do it at all. Stadium Love. This has uh, another drum intro track. It's not the gunshot snare necessarily, but it's it's a very big arena rock sounding song. Yeah, which is into. I mean, it's called Stadium Love. It's very much intentional the mixing, the effects on all the instruments and stuff definitely nail that sound. There's lots of reverb on the guitars. Some of the instruments are kind of mixed down or they're echoey. There's just like, there's a lot of mastering and stuff that went on to make this sound like it was performed in a stadium. Yeah. There's Also the, this is the last track. And I noted the drums being lackluster on this track. I'd kind of been growing to that conclusion over the week as I was listening to it. But as I was getting my notes, I got like, you know, the drums really don't do it for me for this album. And I don't know if it's the tone or if it's the drummer, it just, I don't know, it falls flat for me. And I think this track overall is kind of a disappointing end to an otherwise solid album. But I don't hate the song, to be clear. It's just, it's not the way I wanted it to end.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, following Blindness and how good of a song that was, Mm -hmm. to come to this one, which, I mean, it is exactly what it's supposed to be. Right. It is supposed to be a song that sounds like 10,000 people are sing- like listening to it in a giant stadium. It's even yeah. got the chanting like the ooh where the crowd's going to be chanting along to it when they're right. playing it live. It's got there is one thing about the drums that like I noticed in this song and it's like it's got that kick kick clap like whenever kind of the rest of the music drops out and it's got that that like yeah. I could just it's imagine got like a
0: solo section.
1: Yeah, I could imagine, like, the 10,000 people in a giant arena just, like, stomping along yeah, to, like...
0: the the We Will Rock You kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And it's like, yeah, this was written to be played at a large venue.
0: And... Which feels cheap, right? It feels, yeah. It feels very, like... I don't know, it stands out on this album, especially after having discussed, like, the artistry of the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles, at least from my perspective, to go and do something like this, which there is another there's like there is meaning to it outside yeah. of that but it it does feel as like kind of like a cheap like an, an a, a track that wasn't needed nobody wanted it nobody needed yeah. it but they they felt compelled to do it maybe to make their concerts more exciting Which yeah I's I, fine I, I, I will absolutely concede that uh, paramore has a track or two like that so I, I can't like. I can't just come out and shit on that. I mean, I can't. I don't like want <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Yeah. But Paramore gets a pass, and we'll talk about that when we do their discography, <laughs> I think. See, uh, at some point. The
1: thing that got me about this, like, made me realize that it was, I guess, cheap, is like, so I was reading, I was listening to the song, and I had this realization. I was like, okay, this is just an arena song. It's weird that they would put this as the last song of the album. Yeah. And then I go to like read genius and it has an excerpt from an interview with her. And it's like, she's talking about like, imagine an apocalyptic Noah's Ark transplanted into the thunder <laughs> zone with animals of every stripe fighting for their lives. And I'm like, this seems like a really long explanation where you just don't want to say we wanted to write a stadium rock song.
0: Yeah, for sure. But also like the lyric, like I, we're talking about lyrics now, I guess yeah, I had yeah. no idea what the song was trying to say with, without that kind of interpretation, because she just like, she says want to make a bet odds are neck and neck taking off the gloves spider versus bat tiger versus rat yeah. owl versus dove." She just like listening, listing these matchup things of like various fights and then kind of uh, t- t- implying that the crowd is involved, but doesn't really go into it because it says fight it out to wow the crowd and immediately says, guess you thought you could just watch. No one's getting out. Like, what does that mean? Are we fighting with the animals as well? But no, Really, what she's explained is that the song is about man versus nature and how we keep expending natural resources as if they're limitless. We're we're using up all of nature's uh, yields, I suppose, and and we're kind of responsible for the destruction that has occurred within nature and everyone's complicit in, in said crime but yeah, it uh, seems like a very interesting perspective to take on on these lyrics not saying that that couldn't be her honest intention yeah but it feels very much like that's not the case
1: yeah especially because like that that's it comes off like a little kid being like oh which would win if a lion and a tiger fought like
0: <laughs> yeah not to bring this back to the presidents of the United States of America but just you, you saying that uh, remind me they have a song called "Flea Versus Might where it's just talking about a flea and a, and a mite fighting each other. But at least they come across it from that honest perspective of just being like, yeah, like we're just gonna make a song about what would happen if a flea fought a mite. I'm not gonna dress it up as some like environmentalism bullshit to like justify it. I'm just gonna have fun with it, kind of a thing.
1: Oh, oh my.
0: Overall, though. We need to wrap this up before we go on and and ruin this album for people. I do still love this album.
1: Yeah, it's a good album for it's sure. Just, it's just it's got
0: a bad ending to it.
1: Just just stop listening at track nine if you really want to. Why
0: yeah, not? I support that. And if you if you are in the band Metric, hi Emily. If if it's you, Jules, uh, James, <laughs> I, I don't know who else. I I should have researched this stuff before. But uh, hi guys. I I don't think. Stadium Love is your best work. I know you can do better because you have done better. And you just, you kind of, you kind of whiffed it for me. Sorry, but that's how I feel.
1: And that's the facts, Jack. <laughs> that's the facts,
0: Jack. Uh, but yeah, I still really enjoy the whole like tone and the soundscape of the album. I think it's a good entry point to Metric because, as I said at the beginning, it's kind of a midpoint between their two sounds where they're kind of transitioning. Yeah. Um, this week, honestly, when I was listening to it, it didn't really land right the way it usually does with me just overall, maybe because I was kind of doing it for the podcast and thinking more about it. Um, But I I do really like this, this album don't care for the drums much. I I don't think the drums were worth mentioning much, which I guess in itself is worth mentioning from, for me at least. But uh, yeah, overall I still really enjoy the album. It's got five banging tracks on it. And by that, I mean, it's got like nine banging tracks on it. Eight. eight. We'll give it eight. Yeah. Eight eight out of 10, 80%. I still really enjoy the album and I have no regrets for listening to this album or recommending it.
1: Yeah. And I will listen to Synthetica. You said it was.
0: Yes. That's the album. that followed up this one and I almost put it on, but I was was like fantasy is a better midpoint for, for the podcast. So plus I, I have listened to fantasies a lot more than I've listened to Synthetica. But yeah, check out all of their albums. You'll get a, a good variety of the kind of like older punky rock stuff. And the newer stuff is much more like synth based. I mean, it's called Synthetica on the next album. <laughs> so it's very like synthy. But uh, pretty pretty cool shit. Yeah. Next week, what are we doing, Joey?
1: Well, we're kind of taking a, a turn, you know. And we're going to be listening to a band that I previously mentioned, Beach Bunny. Beach Bunny. Uh, it's not a full album. It's an EP. It's a prom queen EP. uh you know i like it a lot i just (laughs) i just really fucking like like it a lot
0: (laughs) yeah as as a slight disclaimer uh i have listened to beach bunny i have not i had not listened to prom queen as i mentioned we're starting this two days later than we usually record uh so i already asked joey for his recommendation yesterday and i've already listened to this since then but um i have listened to beach bunny's 2020 album before and i really enjoyed it so i'm excited to to kind of get in and talk about probably yeah. and and why you like it over their 2020 album or if you've even listened on 2020 we'll, we'll save all the discussion for next week yeah because that's what next week's episode is about <laughs> and it's an ep so maybe we'll have a shorter episode to balance out this i guess this one this one's not yeah, it's long. not crazy
1: long we we had a lot of faffing around right before we started it's true <laughs> anyways that's, that's
0: true we've what are you talking about? we We get in, we start recording and we start the podcast right after. Yeah. no no cuts, no no edits. there's there's no second tries. It's all one shot. We do it live <laughs> and we upload it the music that you hear at the beginning of and the end of every episode we actually perform it live every week <laughs> uh, because that's just how dedicated we are to our crap. It's total bullshit.
1: so dedicated.
0: Deditated wham <laughs> it, hey, if, if, you're, if you're dedicated to finding music, check out Daft Punk's album Wham, uh, Ram <laughs> what? It, was, it was a dedicated Wham joke, I, I like album, it their album was Ram, Random Access Memories, check that album out check this album out, check out Prom Queen by Beach Bunny, because we're going to be talking about it next week, and we want to hear your thoughts on it, and that is all I have to say about that so stay in our feedback loop
1: bye